Well, good evening. Uh, it's good to be together, isn't it, and to sing and to be sung to. Thank you. It's no uh, small feat to get up here and to sing. I get up and speak. Certainly wouldn't be up here singing. Um, so thank you for doing that and for ministering to us in that way. That's a great song, isn't it? Oh, Come to the Altar by Elevation Worship in America. Followed them when they wrote that song, actually, and the album there. It's a great album. So we'll maybe sing that one as we go forward. That's a great song. Should we come to prayer just before we turn to God's word? Let's pray together. Lord, we humble ourselves again as we come to your word. Lord, we, we want to do this in a manner and a, in a way that is honoring and glorifying to you as we come to it and as we study it together and as we think practically about discipleship. Lord, we look to your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was the greatest of examples of this. And we pray this this evening as we gather together and we think uh, this way, we think uh, biblically about discipleship, we pray that this will be a time where we are uh, invigorated about discipleship, that we are challenged by it, and that we are given some tools to help us to do it. So Lord, speak, speak to us this evening by your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to put up that description that we looked at this morning briefly about this evening. Uh, it was this. Discipleship is long-term laboring in the lives of a few, giving your life and the gospel. That's just a description that uh, I have written down myself to try and help to understand that discipleship, as we said this morning, is very much a multifaceted uh, description and, and, and a subject which we are looking at. There is, I don't think, one description that you could give to underline and, and summarize what discipleship is. And this morning we looked at discipleship in the sense of it being our walk with Jesus, our patterns in following Jesus... And what it means to take up that cross, to deny ourselves and to follow him. This evening, it has a a different flavor. And this sermon will have a different flavor because we will look at this practically tonight. Four ways in which uh, we can outwork this discipleship in our lives. And right at the outset, I want to say this. Whoever is a disciple here this evening must be making disciples. So that is what we're called to do. As disciples, we are called to make disciples. That is not left to a a committee or an eldership entirely. It is up to the church and those who believe to be making disciples. Therefore, most of us, I pray this evening, this will uh, be speaking to you as we look at it. So, where do we turn? Where do we turn to find this idea of discipleship and discipling one another? Well, As I said this morning, there is nowhere in the Bible that uses the word discipleship, and that is true. However, as we approach discipling, which is just another facet of discipleship, helping one another or helping others in their walk with Christ, we do have a verb in the New Testament Greek. We do have a verb in the New Testament Greek. And that verb is matheteo, which means to make 
disciples. Now hopefully that rings a bell with you where we're going to go just in these moments. And I alluded to this last week. We're going to turn to Matthew 28. Because this is where we find that verb. In the Greek, this very economic language is just one word. In the English, it is actually two or three to make disciples or make disciples. So Matthew 28, 18 to 20, we arrive at this very well-known passage, the Great Commission. So let's read from verse 18 of chapter 28 through to verse 20, just a few verses. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. So we have a clear biblical mandate to make disciples. It is so clear, isn't it? Just from those verses there in verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples. That's our mandate. To get people converted to Jesus. That's what that basically means. Get them converted to Jesus. To bring them to Christ. To show them Jesus. To live out Christ in our lives. So that they will see him. That's what we've been singing. That was a a line in one of the songs we sang. That my life would reflect Christ's. And that would be a sign and, and showing others that we are Christ followers. We follow Jesus. And in that, in essence, is a great tool we'll look at in a minute. In discipleship. But after the point of conversion, we often just sort of tick the name beside yeah, we, tick, we tick a tick beside the name of the person we've always wanted to get to Jesus, right? We have a list of, of people maybe or in our mind. We've been praying them for years. And we get them over the line almost. And we get them to Jesus. And we go, we're done. This is great. You know, one by one, we'll bring them to Jesus. But actually, the mandate and the command that we're giving here is to make disciples. And therefore, it is much bigger than this. It is much bigger than just bringing people to Jesus and showing them Jesus. And if they trust in him, then just leaving them to it. Letting them sit in the back row. And making them turn into a Baptist, maybe. Following the rules and and just hoping that they become a good disciple of Christ. This is an active thing that we should be doing. Working in Lives of of the people that have trusted in him. You see, Jesus in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, didn't instruct the disciples to simply make more disciples. He didn't say, make a disciple and then just make more disciples and then just go on making disciples. Yes, that was definitely part of the process. Definitely what Jesus was asking to do. But he went further than that with his instruction. By saying, as we saw last week, baptize them. That's the first thing to do. Baptize them. If they believe in Christ, as soon as they trust him, baptize them. And secondly, teach them. Teach them. So here are two further intricate parts of discipleship or discipling, which are baptizing and teaching. But we must notice what Jesus asks the disciples to teach them. 
Verse 30. In verse, sorry, that's not right, verse 20, sorry. It says, teaching them, that is the disciples, to observe all that I have commanded you. How long do you think this would take? How long is it going to take to teach the disciples, or those who follow Jesus, all that I have already taught you? Well, I think if we're going to teach someone all that Jesus had taught and commanded, we would need to give our entire lives to this process. There is not a time frame here. There is, there's not a point here where he says, you know, it's going to take you this long, but actually to teach them and, and, and to teach them to observe all that I have taught you already is going to take a lifetime. And therefore, that's for us right now. For those who are disciples, need, we are called to make disciples. And therefore, if we are to teach, as Jesus has commanded, all that he has already taught, we must give our lives to this. We must invest our life in the few. And we must commit to doing this. This is a lifelong process so to get them converted to baptize them and spend the rest of your lifetime teaching them to obey all that Jesus said that is what is inclusive in the New Testament Greek verb disciple all of those things are inclusive the subject of discipleship or discipling is huge and tonight Uh, As I said this morning, we only have time to scratch the surface. But I want to do this by giving us four practical points and tips when considering how you would disciple someone or a group of disciples. And I think this is important for us as we approach this subject. Because this is a very practical thing. It cannot be done just simply within these four walls or simply from me at the front or whoever preaches at the front here. It cannot be done. It's actually up to you. And therefore, I want to give you four Helpful, I pray, uh, tips to doing this. So take out your notebook or your, your, your phone or your notes on your phone and write these down because they've been helpful to me. And again, these are not all encompassing. There is so much more to this subject. So please just take these as maybe the first four things. And the first thing we're going to look at is initiating. Initiating. Discipleship is not passive, it's active. It is very unusual to have someone approach you and ask if, they, if you would disciple them. Have you ever had that circumstance? They would come to you and say, would you disciple me? It doesn't often happen. That is not often the way things go. Maybe in some circumstances. But they often wouldn't come to you and say, would you meet with me? Would you read with me? Would you study with me? Would you pray with me? Opportunities like that don't often fall in our path. And therefore, on the part of the one who is leading the discipling, they must have initiative. Intuition to look for discipling opportunities. They're not going to fall in your lap. If that person is not going to come to you, therefore we must, in this, circum- in the, in this place is a great place to start, 
Look for the ones, maybe our friends or close friends or those we feel would be those who you could pull alongside and you could disciple. And we must be keeping our eyes open for those who we could pull alongside and disciple. Well, what do we look for? Well, how do we look for discipleship opportunities? Well, here's a few pointers for you as we consider this idea. What do I look for in someone who could be or I could uh, approach in regards to discipleship? Well, this is four points that I have for you here. Firstly, you can only disciple a disciple. You can only disciple a disciple. You can evangelize to the unbeliever, and that's wonderful. But only disciples can be discipled. Secondly, you cannot disciple everyone. It is impossible to think that you can disciple everybody. You're going to have to carefully and prayerfully consider that person or persons and who they are. Number three, observe the person's current commitment to Christ. Their willingness to learn and find someone who is teachable. Find someone who's teachable. We should all be teachable, actually. Fourthly, don't run after the one who doesn't want help. This seems very harsh, doesn't it? Don't run after the person who doesn't want help. But actually the one who knows they need help and is willing to receive it. So, there's four quick pointers. Discipling doesn't mean that you know it all. The, the, the person who leads that discipling, that, that discipleship in someone's life, doesn't need to know it all. Doesn't need to have a degree or a certificate of theology. No. I don't think the disciples did. Simply need to love Christ and know their Bible. Disciples, or discipling, means that you lead the way. Even if that means you confess your own weakness and sin. And by doing that, by doing this, it actually shows humility to the person in whom you're a disciple in. But above all, it demonstrates what it looks like to find your justification in Christ and not in yourself. That's a wonderful witness, isn't it? As we pull alongside one another and as we disciple one another through this life, the one who is leading that discipleship would be willing to openly and honestly confess their own weaknesses and their sins in a way which also teaching and showing your humility but also demonstrating what it looks like to, to say that you're saved by grace. Your justification is in Christ and not yourself. That's wonderful, isn't it? So display your strengths and weaknesses equally. Secondly, we see on the screen that uh, we must be teachers or teaching. This is the second point. Discipling is teaching. That's the essence of it. The words I used in the description, laboring, and the word gospel, which I used in my description of discipleship, are vital. Laboring in the life of one another in the sense of showing, exposing, and sharing the word of God. You see, in Matthew 28 and 20, as we read before, it says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So teaching is the essence of discipleship. 
We teach with words, just the same way Jesus taught his disciples. But we teach interpersonally, one-to-one, or in small groups. I think this is the best way to do it. Yes, you turn up on on a Sunday or a Wednesday and are taught, and that is uh, vital for your spiritual lives. But discipleship at this interpersonal level needs to go further and deeper. There is no way I can stand up here and understand, although I'm, I'm beginning to, as the pastor, I have that advantage to get to know what each of you and, and where you're at in your lives. But how are we supposed to know everybody at a deep level? That is, that is nearly impossible. But in this interpersonal one-to-one or small group situation, we can do that. And we need to reach the point where we are having spiritually meaningful conversations. This keeps coming up in my mind. How often we meet with one another and we talk about just the mundane. Sunshine. And it's great outside, isn't it? It's windy out there. You know, how's, you know just, the, just the surface level stuff. What about how's your spiritual life? I'm not saying you've got all the answers to what they're going to say to you after that. But certainly starting to dig into one another's lives. At a deeper level, spiritually. And doing it lovingly and compassionately and not in a way that you're trying to dig up gossip or or find anything against that person. But in, in a way that we are discipling one another. What about dedicating time to spend studying God's word? When was the last time you had someone over? Or you met with someone in a coffee shop and you opened God's word. Thirdly, deep discussions and exposing the Bible is important. That comes probably as a part of the second point there. Deep discussions. Tackling God's word together. And exposing it for yourself. Can I say this as a piece of advice right at this point? And I say this carefully and Seriously, at the same time. Disciple those who share the same sex. Don't go out and put yourself in an in a compromised situation where you are discipling the opposite sex, one-to-one. Men discipling men, women discipling women, particularly in that one-to-one situation. A small group may differ, but please take that piece of advice together. That was close, wasn't it? It's not often my heart races in the pulpit. <laughs> it's going twice as fast now, yeah. We can actually draw examples of this from the Bible itself. Let's turn to 2 Timothy 2. And what I mean by that is, before the cup went nearly on the floor, I mean discipling the same sex. Okay? 2 Timothy 2 and 2. says this. This is Paul and Timothy. Let's start from verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses in trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You see, Paul taught Timothy 
And there was this amazing relationship that they had as they, or Paul discipled Timothy, and I'm sure in some ways Timothy discipled Paul, but they together were those who were working together, doing the Lord's work beside one another in their lives. Turn over the page, Timothy 2, or Titus 2, verse 4. Titus 2 and 4. And so train the young women to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. You see, at this point, in this passage, we have older women teaching younger women. Older women teaching younger women. And one other distinction that we need to draw here, not only about teaching those who are in the same sex as us in certain situations, but also when we are in that situation... We must have a distinction in our minds between what discipleship is and what evangelism is. You see, evangelism is proclaiming Christ and his cross work clearly to the unregenerate, the unbelieving person. Whereas discipleship or discipling is walking with those who now believe. We can often find ourselves in situations where we're actually just... uh, Stuck at the beginning, almost. And that's important that we remind ourselves of our salvation. But with the disciples, we must go further. We must go deeper. We must go to uh, expose the text. We must go to show them and to disciple one another. To dig deep and speak in deep spiritual terms. Aiming for spiritual maturity That should be the goal. Spiritual maturity. Let's move on then to point three. Leading or modeling. Leading or modeling. See, discipleship is more than sharing, reading and working in God's word together. And I've already alluded to this in these moments uh, this evening. I believe one of the most striking and powerful ways... To disciple, although not completely confined solely to this, is to personally live out what you are teaching. I remember one pastor came to me uh, during my placement actually in Car Baptist Church, and he, I was asking him how does he prepare during a week and uh, trying to trying to drag everything as much as I could out of him and and, and trying to learn from him and. Uh, he said, I'd like to get started on my sermon at the beginning of the week, even if I'm just reading the text uh, in view of preaching it in a week's time. And he said, not only that, and he said these things. He said, what I'd like to do is live out what I'm going to preach. So he wasn't preparing a sermon Friday, Saturday night to, pre- to, prepare, to preach it on a Sunday. He was, in his mind, preparing it on Monday, living out that word in his life. So that when he stood up on a Sunday, he wasn't, he wasn't just preaching empty words, but actually he had lived them out. And that's huge. 
How are we supposed to disciple one another or be the person who is doing the discipling and who hasn't actually lived out what they're going to share and trying to uh, encourage someone else to do? And that goes for us who stand in the pulpit. Well, Mark Dever, and I would encourage you, Mark Dever is a pastor of Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, Washington D.C., and he's the founder of Nine Marks. Go and subscribe to Nine Marks podcast. Go and buy the books. And in his book on discipleship, he says this. I'm going to give you two quotes, just slightly broken up, but I want to, I want to read this to you because this is so important. He says this. Ultimately, discipling involves living out the whole Christian life before others. Ultimately, discipleship involves living out the whole Christian life before others. It is not hidden away in a dark room or just at home. or It's every part of my life living out every part of the Christian faith. Wasn't that the example of Jesus for the disciples? What about Paul and Timothy? Like an apprenticeship really, isn't it? An apprentice learns by listening and by looking on and watching and participating. That is how this should be, this idea and this subject and this reality of discipleship. That's what Jesus did as he walked with those disciples. They saw and they participated and they listened and they watched and they became mature and they matured in their faith as they spent time with him. And this is the other quote from the Nine Marks book. Discipling is inviting them to imitate you. That's a frightening thought, isn't it? Making your trust in Christ an example to be followed. It requires you to be willing to be watched. And then folding people into your life so they actually do watch. Folding people into my life. So that they see my walk with Christ. And that that may be a help to them as, as I try and disciple them. And as I try to help them in their walk of faith with Christ. And that they would eventually, by Christ, through Christ, and for Christ, become mature in their faith. Fourthly, and really finally, this is the last point here. And I told you this was going to be practical. It really is a different flavor to my normal sermons, this, but this is helpful. Investing. Investing. Fruitful discipleship does not exist if we are not willing to invest our time our resources, our energy to those people who we disciple. We need to be those who invest time. You go, well, I haven't got any time. Well, I would say you need to go and make some time. Because this is a great commandment. This is the great commission given by Christ. You're too busy? Well, sacrifice something else to give up. And go and find someone and spend some, some time discipling somebody. However, discipling does not come at the cost, please let me say this, does not come at the cost of your marriage. It does not come at the cost of your relationship with your children. They are non-negotiable. And as I've, as I've already alluded to, we must think of discipling as long-term. 
It's not, it's not short term. It's lifetime. It is a lifetime investment. It's an investment for the future. We need to disciple with an eternal perspective. I think we always need to have a good eternal perspective anyway, but we need to, when we disciple others, we need to think eternally. We need to be kingdom building. We may not see immediate results. We may see nothing in this life. Often see the, we often maybe see the results only when we will reach glory. And as I've already said, we cannot disciple everyone. Neither should we strive to. But if one disciple, or if we are to disciple a few, and just go with me here, if we disciple a few, and then those few disciples reach more disciples, and they make more disciples, and then they make more disciples, the impact of that structure and strategy is huge. Let me outline this for you. I wrote this down because I just thought I'd do a small calculation here. If one disciple discipled four people, and each one of those four went on to disciple another four people, and then those four did the same again, just from that three-stage discipleship structure, we now have 85 people being exposed to deep, long-term discipleship. That's more than who's sitting in this room right now. Jesus invested hours, days, weeks, and years of his life into the life of 12 men. Now, they didn't all turn out good. But from what we heard, saw, and testified, we now, 2,000 years later, still have the accounts of the one who called them. Initiated, taught, led, modelled, and invested. Because we saw, three weeks ago, the testimony of John. We saw that, that, that he was an eyewitness to all Christ had done. And had written it down by the, the inspiration of the, the Spirit. We now have his account. A deep, structured, a spiritual account of what went on and what Jesus did in his life. All because Jesus was willing to invest his life and his time discipling that man. So we end where we began. Discipleship is long-term laboring in the lives of a few, giving your life and the gospel. So let's be initiators, let's be teachers, modeling Christ and investing in lives for good. And all the while not losing sight of the command and the hope that as we make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We do not do this in our own strength or in our own power because he has promised that if we do that, surely he is with us always to the very end of the age. And as I said last Sunday morning, the command is in place as long as the promise is in place and therefore he is with us to the very end of the age. We should be doing this until the end of the age, until our life ebbs away. Let me finish this evening with a quote from John Piper. He says this, 
Every Christian should be helping unbelievers become believers by showing them Christ. That is making a disciple. And every Christian should be helping other believers grow to more and more maturity. That is making a disciple. And every Christian should be seeking to get help from themselves, for themselves from others to keep on growing. And that is also discipleship. And every church should think through how all of these kinds of biblical disciple making find expression in their corporate life. That's a great quote, isn't it? Let's be obedient to his command. May we as a church be disciple minded. Those who make disciples with the life that we've been given, the calling that he has called us to do, what a task we have been called to. May we count it as a privilege and a joy as we take up that which Jesus first demonstrated to us. For his name's sake I pray. Amen. Let's pray, shall we? And then we'll sing together. Lord, as we think tonight very practically about discipleship, we pray that you will help us to do these things. Lord, that we will maybe leave this uh, evening and we will go out into this week and we'll be those who would desire to have uh, opportunities to disciple those around us. We will look. We will have initiative. We will those who lead the way and those who teach and those who model. Lord, help us to obey your command to make disciples, knowing that you are with us always to the very end of the age. Lord, work these uh, challenges into our hearts, we pray, and use us for the extension of your kingdom, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.